You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Eboff. And Mike, the Islanders had a very bad, no good, absolutely horrible week that has uh, put their season in the exact hole that we were afraid they were, they were going to be in come this time uh, last week. So uh, it's been pretty awful watching history unfold uh, the, the way we exactly didn't want it to unfold. Yeah, so there's so much to unpack, right? Like, there was bad decisions basically from everybody. Like, it, everybody involved with the team is, has made a bad decision in in one week. Uh, some people have made some, like, a firework, like fireworks of bad decisions, um, particularly, like, uh, number 47. I'm looking at you. Like, there, there's, like, there. it's been incompetent. It's been sh- sham. It's, like, I um, God, I got, I, I wish I could remember the Twitter handle that said this, but. Uh, I was talking about uh, Leo Komarov about how he's had the most astounding three game stint I've ever seen out of an Islander. And and when, when I tweeted that, I was like, I hope people know like astounding can mean bad, you know, astoundingly bad too. Cause I'm, you know, obviously he's been bad. Uh, he's been terrible. And someone said that it was 2000, 2001 levels of, of grim. And it's perfectly put like that is, I couldn't have said it better myself because that is like exactly the type of player and, type of things those players did on those horrible teams that 
and you and I talk about it a lot, how Islander fans are kind of like wounded animals and we don't really trust anyone. So then when we see that, we get like a little bit of, you know, the jitters back of seeing someone do something like that. And we're like, oh, no, not please don't bring us back to those days. Like, I'm not here to watch these guys. I don't want to watch like Mike Igledon and, and, and these guys lead the line. I'm, 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 I thought we were past that. Um, it's just been bad. And it's brought back some really bad feelings that um, have been kind of foreign to us during uh, the Lamarillo trots era. And uh, it's, it's not, you know, it's not fun. It's not fun to, to, to kind of be stewing about the Islanders and ruining bad mistakes, uh, keeping you up at night. But you know, that's, that's what this team is. It looked particularly bleak um, before they picked up two points in their games against the Flyers this weekend, which were the only two points they picked up this whole week, which is really, really, really sad. Um, they, uh, we'll get to Leo in a second, but the, they outplayed the Flyers, I think for the better part of six periods plus, if you count the overtimes, um, which was much like their playoff series where the Islanders were the better team across seven games and still went to seven games because they lost three overtime games. And that's exactly what happened this weekend. And it is incredibly frustrating, especially with Flyers fans who are, who are loud mouths, who again can be fun. Uh, but when it's turned towards your team, it's not particularly fun. Um, but yeah, it's, this has been a very bleak week and a very, you know, again, those of us that have been here long enough, you and I have been at this for a long, long time. And, you know, it doesn't take much to send us back to those awful feelings of those really, truly hopeless teams. Some of us go back even further into the nineties when the situation was even more hopeless. Um, I don't think we're at that level. And, and, you know, I know people have already started with like, Oh, what happens to Barry? I, you know, I, I don't think that that's, we're at that point, obviously. Um, they, you know, so I, I'm as guilty as anybody. I was on Twitter saying I don't see how they can make the playoffs in this environment with this, you know, having lost five in a row, um, uh, you know, two in overtime because everybody's playing everybody every other night and everybody seems to go to overtime. And you mentioned this last week. Everybody's picking up points. And if you're not, that's a problem. Um, but the fact is that the others, you don't need to be in first place to make the playoffs. You need to be in top four. They're really only three points out of fourth place right now who are the penguins who are one of their opponents this week. Um, and so, you know, things aren't, aren't over <laughs> after the first month of the season, but losing five in a row is not a good idea. And the worst part about these five losses in particular was that all four of these games, including if you include the devil's game that we talked about last week, um, were games against teams that had been depleted in some way. So, you know, the devils we talked about without Nico, he's still starting Scott Wedgwood, who I didn't know was even still in the league, get a shutout. Okay, fine. The next night they're in Washington. Four of the Capitals' best players are unavailable because they broke COVID protocols. At some point in the game, uh, Nicholas Backstrom leaves with an injury. At some point later on, thanks to Leo Komarov, Lars Eller leaves with an injury. The Islanders are tied with 30 seconds to go. Looks like they're going to get at least a point when who is on the ice? It's Leo again having served his five-minute major for injuring <laughs> Lars Eller. Uh, he's right back out there again, and he's gliding gracefully right behind Justin Schultz, who just scores the game-winning goal over Simeon Varlamov's shoulder. Was it a stoppable shot? I don't know. It kind of blasted right over his shoulder. Um, and it was just a crappy way to lose a game. And I'm sitting there. I watch the games on the on the couch, watch it on the laptop, and it happened. I said, oh, the Caps just took a 3-2 lead. And my wife was like, 
how much time is left? And I just said, 30 seconds. <laughs> she just knew immediately, oh, that's not good. And like, yeah, that's not good. And so that was the first of a week full of gut punches that were really no fun. And, you know, was it all Leo's fault that they lost that game? No. I mean, they only scored two goals against, again, against a team that was not at full strength at all. Um, but he was kind of the poster boy for that loss because, man, you have one job and that's like pick up your guy and his guy got lost. There was a miscommunication between him and I think Ryan Pollock maybe and uh, game over. No, no points at all. And that just set the tone for the rest of the week. And uh, yeah, the, that was that was not fun. And then Leo was right back out there the next night, which is mind boggling, really, when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, the that game was following a script. Uh, and I think I even mentioned it to you and saying like, oh, I'm just sweating the, the third period Leo Komarov penalty. And a couple minutes later, boom, wasn't expecting it to be a major. Um, um, the, before it happened, when I saw the hit, I was like, yeah, he's going to get five minutes for that. And I was kind of wishing that they would uh, give him a game misconduct too. So in my head, I was like, there's no way that he's going to be back out there. Like this, like, yeah, tr- one of Trotz's golden rules. Like you do something selfish like that. You, you ride the pine. But for some reason, Leo just is an outlier to these rules. And I, and I know people always say, like, if Wallstrom did that, if Barzell did that, if Beauvillier did that, like, they'd sit, which is probably true. But it's not just them. Like, if Brock Nelson did that, he'd probably sit. Like, there's it's 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 this weird thing with uh, with Leo Komarov. And it's like, I, I, I don't know if it's uh, like we, we all know that it was a bad deal that Lou signed him to. If it's like Trotz kind of being like, not throwing Lou under the bus subtly. I'm getting way too deep into this, but uh, the the point is that it was a bad coaching decision. Like that was probably the worst coach game of Barry Trotz's Islanders career. I would think uh, just not like he kind of went against everything uh, he's been preaching for, for three years that we are all on board with. Like, we're like, look, if, if this is, this guy has taken us to these to this level of sustained success that we haven't seen since the eighties. Like we'll, we'll, we'll live with his, uh, his flaws, which are uh, a lot of times just being a little slow to give uh, new players a chance, uh, especially if they're younger, um, which is whatever. Every coach in the NHL does that. Um, but when he kind of go, when he, when he makes a decision like that, you're just like, uh, okay, Barry, like once again, no one is, no one here is, ever going to claim that Barry Trotz deserves to be like punished for, for, for making a mistake in a game. Cause he's obviously the best coach the Islanders have had since Al Arbor. And, and like, you just let's, everyone needs to just like pump the brakes if, if that thoughts even cross their mind. Um, but it, it was a weird decision. It was a confused, like that, th- this whole five game stretch has been more confusing than anything. Like I, I can live with, you can live with b- b- bad luck, but if you're the Islanders, a team that li- like you cannot, that can't survive mistakes because of the team makeup, which we've been talking about for three years now, this team just needs to, if, if they play with them themselves, they usually win if, or they hang around with better teams and give themselves a chance to steal a point or whatever. But if they're making mistakes, then it hurts and it hurt, then it's going to hurt the team usually ends up in the back of the net. If honestly, if the refs make mistakes, it usually ends up in the back of the Islanders nets too. It's not like if, if anything kind of comes undone, it's, it's going to end up in the back of the Islanders nets. And that's just kind of what the team is. And we know this, like I'm, I have never seen the Islanders survive a shift in their own zone. When someone drops a stick, when I'm watching NHL TV or whatever, and I'm watching another team, I'm I get like agita when I see like a Vancouver Canuck drop a stick. I'm like, Oh, 
you know, that means that the Winnipeg Jets are probably going to score because no team ever gets out of this situation. But then I realized, no, the Islanders don't get out of this situation. They're the only team, I guess, that does this. That's so bad when, when shit hits the fan, even if it's a very minor thing. Um, So when they, they make their own mistakes and then to not um, make an example of it, it's very strange. And and like a sense of weird message to the team, I guess. And, and like, like I said, like this, this team is obviously fully on board with, with Barry Trotz too. I think they would, follow him to the moon but it was just so confusing and then you just knew when when he got that first shift right after the penalty you're like okay that's strange maybe he's giving him like a 30 second shift here to to make up for something but i don't like this like you nobody should be trusting leo Komarov in the situation to begin with and then put him back out there in and it really did uh bring back memories to that andrew lad shift i think arthur staple men- mentioned it uh Oh, yeah. Back in the bubble when 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 the Islanders lost to the Lightning and when Andrew Ladd lost his guy. And you're just like, I I there was no there was no um moral victory to that game. There was no silver lining. you you should be mad at everybody who was involved in that. And that kind of goes and up to uh I mean, I guess this is more the next game, but that also obviously goes up to Lou because like his his um I think a lot of people like people fall into two camps and the Lou Lamarillo kind of factor is kind of between them like he's he's obviously done a great job of like restoring uh some semblance of uh, order to the islanders and making you know bringing obviously bringing barry trotz in and whatever but he's also obviously made some terrible personnel decisions and and i think it's like his tenure should be judged somewhere in the middle of it um but this has also kind of been his worst week i think (laughs) as an islander too uh and we can get uh, to that in in the next game yeah all of his all of lou's mistakes have kind of been on display in this season, in this particular week, like the inability to go out and get somebody to augment the offense, even though we all said, and even Barry Trotz said at the end of the, you know, the playoffs, that was what they needed to do. Like here, they didn't do that. And here you go. It should be mentioned also, by the way, the Anthony Bovillier is still hurt. So he missed all of these games. And so, you know, with him in there, the, the story doesn't really change. Like maybe he gets a goal here or there, but again, the Islanders didn't go out. They needed to address their offense and they simply did not. Leo Komarov, again, poor signing at the time. You kind of live with it because, you know, he was there for defensive purposes, PK purposes. A lot of times it was okay, but I think whatever cachet he had from those days is done. Like at this point, (laughs) I don't know what Leo brings. You know, it certainly isn't defense when he's on the ice and 30 seconds left and the cap score a game winning goal. Like it's, and Justin Schultz of all people, like it's not like, yeah, this wasn't Paul Coffey. This wasn't Nick Lidstrom out there scoring a game-winning goal against you when you're 30 seconds left. Um, and you know, and that was again after taking the five-minute major. Um, the just all of the again the, the the poor contracts that are taking up a lot of space, and and that gets me to the the fourth line. So the the game against the the Devils, I don't think the Islanders played too poorly, although they did eventually lose these two games against Caps. They played pretty poorly. I mean, again, they were tied for a few seconds, you know, with a few seconds remaining in game one or Tuesday's game, but they hadn't really played a particularly great game. Uh, the caps didn't either game two Thursday's game. The Islanders jumped out to a three, nothing lead and they looked great. And through the first 10 minutes, of the second period, they looked great. And then all of a sudden they just stopped playing. And when I mean, they, I mean, everybody. And it was, Really remarkable when it's the fourth line because that's the one where you, you know they're always starting. They're the starting line, and Barry has them there to set the tone. And when they don't set the tone, 
and they're not out there doing what they need to do, then it sort of somehow trickles down to the rest of the lines. And they just were a complete disaster. Like they just were giving up pucks left and right. They couldn't clear. They couldn't get the puck out of their own zone. And it was just mental mistakes. And before you know it, the Capitals scored five goals in the third period. Five goals. Like that's absurd. And it's it's one thing. Hey, they Islanders scored three in the first period. If the Caps scored three and then stopped in the second period, hey, you know what? That's that's somehow the way it works. I get it. And then the Islanders regroup and they come back and we have a tie game. That is not what happened. The Islanders literally stopped playing. The Caps scored five goals and the Islanders didn't really put up much of a fight at all. They were better in the third, but at that point, the game was essentially over. Like they were not going to come back and win that game. And eventually, uh, they, you know, the Islanders had a power play. They even pulled their goalie on the power play to have a six on four. Didn't work. Barzell takes a misconduct. He gets thrown out of the game. And it's over. And again, you go into a situation, again, Eller wasn't playing, Backstrom was back though. And you think you can take two points from these guys who stole two points from you the night, two nights before, and you come away with zero. Yeah, okay, Oliver Walsham scored his first NHL goal, bounced off the shoulder blade of some cap defender who was heading towards the net. Hey, whatever, they all count. Um, but it was it was not a good showing, and it was really, 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 really demoralizing. Because this was a situation, I don't want to say it was served up on a silver platter because the caps are still pretty good. But I mean, you're talking about not having to face Ovechkin and Kuznetsov and all these other Orlov and Samsonov, who was their starter. But now this new guy, um, Vitek Vanacek, seems like he's doing pretty well. He keeps on winning. So, you know, it was not good. And, and it, you know, the blame is all over the place. And there's a lot of blame to go around for Barry, too. Leo, again, was right back on the ice that next game, which was unfathomable to me. I really just. I couldn't believe, you know, it's one thing. I don't know. I shouldn't even say that, but like, I kind of get why he was out there again, but to have in the game where he, you know, the first game where he made the, the mistake and then was back out there. Um, but to have him back in the next game to me is inexcusable. Like there's nothing this guy's going to bring to this game that was going to help you get two points. And sure enough, it, it's like handic. It's like trying, trying to play with one, one hand tied behind your back. Why are you doing that to yourself? I don't understand. And I, I know his options are limited because, again, Lou didn't go out and get, you know, whoever on offense or, or something like that. But now it's even worse. <laughs> You've made it even worse. So it was those two games were really as depressing a time as I think we've had in the last three years, really. I mean, and I know the Islanders, they went into the, the hole last year just before the, the season was stopped. And there were some depressing moments there, too. But, man, these were really like... Just I, I couldn't even. I'm still trying to wrap my brain around that that second game where they gave up five goals in one period. Yeah. I think the, the the difference between the um, that uh, stretch into the hiatus and and this one was that there wasn't ever um, like a question about their work ethic. I guess in that in that downward spiral, like in last year, it was it was much more. Yes, they were snake bit. Um, guys were working hard. They maybe like were. Tr- it was basically guys trying too hard to do too many things and. Uh, this time it was it was mental lapses and stuff that has kind of been rid from this team for so long. This is the stuff that we saw under Doug Wade and Jack Capuano and Scott Gordon and these these mental mistakes that you're just like the Islanders know the margins they need to live in between. And when they don't do it, they they look like the Scott Gordon or Doug Wade teams. And it's it happens very quickly. Like like in the second period against the Flyers the other night, like they, they look bad for little stretches because they started making mistakes and all of a sudden you're like, what happened to that team that was just that played in the first period that looked really good? Um and it's just like because they 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 
switch off for two minutes and, and it all goes, it all just goes down the drain because of the way this team is. And uh, I, I, I mean, when, and that goes to the coach too. Like when the coach makes a mistake, which like I, I um my, I've had this, this um kind of mantra about uh, watching sports and this has been a few years now. And I think you and I, we don't necessarily like, it's, it's one thing to complain. Like, I don't think you should be complaining about things that are, aren't out of your control. You can absolutely be mad about it. And I think that's what it is, right? Like I'm, I'm very mad. I was very mad to see Leo Komarov back in the lineup, <laughs> me complaining about it. Like, it's not going to change it. It's like the weather. Like you don't want to complain about it. Cause it's not going to, you know, just cause you're complaining about the weather doesn't mean it's going to stop snowing outside. But if you, uh, Elvis is Elvis is clawing at the door to come in. He agrees, <laughs> but he, uh, he like, it, it, you can definitely be mad and you can be confused. And I think that's the thing. Like when you're, when you're confused and mad at the same time at a, a someone who you love, like we love Barry Trotz so much, it really, it really can cut you deep. Um, and that's basically what's happened. And and it's, that's the Leo Komarov thing. Like, that's what I'm talking about with this, this, this stretch that he's been on for, um, three games now it's like i, I can't remember an impact a, a player having this much of an impact not just on the game but the fan base in such a short amount of time in three games he went he he de- could have derailed the season like if the islanders could miss the playoffs by three points and it could we can all be like well we can easily point to where those points could have come from um and in my head i was like the last time a player had this big of an impact maybe dipietro like he was stealing games in that one uh, the season right before he got hurt but I was thinking like Wade Dublowitz's run, like that's probably the last time a player had this big of an impact. And obviously that was the complete opposite. So I just, my head was spinning. I was mad. I was just hoping they were going to be able to survive. They weren't. And now they're behind the eight ball. And, we, and you said it right, right before we started getting into the games was these games were there for the taking. Like this wasn't a, a four five game losing streak against uh good, you know, yes, these teams are solid, but this was a five-game losing streak against the, the probably their worst versions of these teams that we'll see from them all They're season. They're all B teams, literally yes, exactly. the B version of their teams. <laughs> so to get nothing, like that's why there's a lot of context that that this this losing streak has to has to be dealt with. But and and like there were some good things, like Matt Barzell's having a terrific season. Like there's there's some really good things, and you just hope, oh god, like they better not waste this performance of of uh, of Barzell and Noah Dobson's starting to take steps forward. They're, they're um, most, but it's like half and half. Like we, we've seen some bad stuff. Like Andy Green has been really bad. Josh Bailey has been really bad. So it's like there are two very different Islander teams. Teams kind of going at it right now. And oh boy, yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah. It's no, that's that's true. That there, there are good things that I mean. Here we are. We've been complaining for twenty straight minutes, but there are good things. Barzell number one is on. He's on a mission this year to do to take that next step and he and he deserves it. Our whole first line, him, Lee, and Everly, although Everly has been replaced by Bailey, we'll talk about him again in a second, uh, was was really good. Dobson has been really good. And the play of the two kids, uh the other two other kids, I should say, Wallstrom and uh and Bellows, they've both been very good. And in fact they've clearly taken a jump. Uh, even Barry Trot says they've gone from boys to men. There's your foreshadowing of tonight's musical uh outro <laughs> in case you were wondering. Um and so there, there have been positives there, but it's been mostly outweighed by the fact that the Islanders just came away empty-handed. And then they went into Philly for two games that, again, as I said before, turned out to be eerily similar to not only one another, but what happened in the bubble. The Islanders played really well, uh, starting with the second period of the first game, the Saturday night game. The first period, the Islanders were absolutely trash. They were garbage. That Cal Clutterbuck had three turnovers on the first shift, and from that point on, the Islanders never had possession of the puck 
for more than a split second in that first period. They were terrible, and they were lucky to be down only 2 nothing. Um, but then they came back and tied it in the second. Everly got a goal. Mayfield had a goal, which you don't get too often, and it was Islanders hockey from the jump. I don't know what Barry Trotz said to them in the intermission, but they came out playing Islanders hockey, and it was great. And suddenly you're like, oh, right, this is how this team can play when they're trying. They had a good third period, too. They had eight shots. Philly only had two. But Scott Lawton got free in overtime, and he just outweighed Simeon Varlamov, and he scores. And it's like, how did we do all this work to get to this point to right the ship, and then you come away with only one point? And then as far as overtime goes, they just never seemed to try and score in overtime. And the same stupid thing happened on Sunday where they went to overtime again. This time, uh, the Islanders, <laughs> uh, basically, it was them versus Joel Farabee. Farabee had three, all three Philly goals in regulation. Um, the Islanders played pretty well throughout the entire game, but ended up going to overtime. And, you know, Barzell ends up taking a high-sticking penalty in overtime. And like you said about the lost stick, that to me just signaled this game is done and the Flyers are going to win it. And sure enough, they did. I take no satisfaction in that. But Kevin Hayes just scored a winner. And I mean, I can't blame, you can't blame Ilya Sorokin. Played a pretty good game. Had He had like four, three or four, like 10 bell saves in that game. Like he yeah. was, he was really good, except, you know, he got beat by one. I think there was one that probably would rather have back, but the other two were pretty good. And they walked away with only one point. And this Flyers team isn't, you know, they, they play like garbage and they come away with two points. And the Islanders are the exact opposite. This, these two games, they played really, really well and came away with only two points instead of the four. And so now, again, you're, you're four points out. And I think a big problem that the Islanders have, obviously, is that they don't score a lot of goals. But particularly, and this is really what's getting on my case, and I think Barry's in, at fault here a lot. And I think Jim Hiller is obviously very much at fault here. Their power play is truly abysmal. There are power plays that go by where they never get a shot. They never get an entry. They get nothing. And with a team that can't score, and you know you can't score that often, to throw away power play opportunities like that is just mind-boggling to me. And they have guys on on the power play that I don't think are good power play players. You think that they might be. Like Ryan Pollock, you assume he's a pretty good dude on the power play because he's got that big shot. That big shot has given the Islanders almost nothing on the power play. <laughs> nothing at all. It is not the asset that they want you to think it is. Nick Letty. Nick Letty's got all the skills in the world. Nobody skates better than Nick Letty as far as defenseman goes. He is not a good player on the power play. Maybe Dobson is that guy, but he's not quite there yet. Still having trouble with the entries. Barzell can get entries all day, but then when he's in there, who's doing what? Nobody knows. And I, I think this all gets back to kind of my big problem with Barry was that, is that I think he, he presets these things in advance because he wants them to be predictable. On Saturday's game, he, Bellows and Wallstrom sat in favor of Arsten Zarnik uh, and Dmitry Timoshev, guys who came in over the summer. And, you know, they didn't play poorly. In fact, Zarnik looked pretty good. Like, he looked like he was part of the team. He was doing what he had to do. Timoshev, not so much, but, you know, it's okay. It was his first game with a new team, whatever. He didn't play poorly. He didn't really stand out either. And people were upset, but I think that that was a premeditated thing. Like, I think he wanted to start those guys in those in that game the same way he wanted to start Sorokin and goal, which, you know, happens. And that's all fine and good, but I mean, then you're getting into sort of like this almost zombie mechanical mode where you're not thinking about doing what you need to do to get the goal. And that's sort of what the power play is like. 
They're thinking. You could see the wheels turning. Okay, I got to go here. I got to go there. I got to go there. And before you know it, two minutes are up and you haven't scored a goal. The whole point of the power play is to score. And theirs is failing them a lot. And these are opportunities that they can't let go. And they keep letting them go every single game. And it's killing them. <laughs> it really is. It's, you know, I get that they don't score five on five, but they can defend pretty well. But man, five, five on four, they have to get better. And I'm sorry. Like, I, I, we don't do this on this show that often. But man, if you have to replace Jim Hiller, I don't know what he's doing back there, but something's got to give. They have to fix this. And, and it's just, it's going to keep getting worse until they fix it. You know, they're, yeah. they're throwing away chances. Yeah. The weird thing about Ryan Pollock is like, you see, he spends a lot of his time on the power play uh, rubbing guys out. Like he, it's like, right. he's in, he's in like wall battles. Cause he's not that great with the puck on his stick or, or um, in his feet. Like he's not, you know, Matt Barzell and Jordan Eberle, these guys can, can stick handle in a telephone booth. And that's why they're on the power play and, and they're good distributors. Like Ryan Pollock is, is kind of um, at least in the power play. Cause look, Ryan Pollock is an A plus defender, like a plus five on five player, a plus uh, in his own zone, like very, very, very good player. Um, it's, you know, just because he's got this, this great shot doesn't mean that he needs to be, you know, Alex Ovechkin light. Um, and it would definitely serve, a good purpose to, to change things up because it's not working, which to your point, like for some reason, and this, and Barry even said like in after, I think it was after the first capitals game or even after the devil's game, he said, Oh yeah, no, the problem is we can't score. So I'm going to make changes. And then he didn't. And then he did. He's, that was like the third or fourth time the season that they said, Oh yeah, we're, we're, you know, we need to score more. Like, obviously we need to, and then they, we're going to make a change or two. And then Ross Johnson's back in the lineup. And it's just, it's very strange that like they are admitting these decisions, but then they do go back into like robot mode of like, we need to, this guy needs to play here because Tom Wilson's playing or whatever, whatever. But um, it's, it's just incredibly, it's incredibly frustrating and confusion, confusing. And like the same thing goes about the, the margins. Like you can't, this team look at the Bruins, right? The Bruins don't really score that much at five on five. They don't produce many chances at five on five, but what they do do is they hang around in games and then they say, Oh, look, if you make a mistake, we're going to capitalize on it. If, and that includes power plays. Like if, if the Bruins are on the power play, they're going to score because they, I mean, sure they have, uh, you know, better overall players, but they, they also play a style of game that thrives because it, they, they take advantage of other teams making mistakes. Uh, they're very opportunistic. The Islanders are supposed to kind of be that version and they aren't doing that. And it's, it's frustrating. And, and the, the Bellows and Wallstrom thing, the, the thing that's, that's frustrating is like Kiefer Bellows has, has played really well. I think, I, I think he's, he's done everything that the, the coaching staff has kind of hoped he would do perhaps besides score. Uh, and then to take him out, like, even if it was a premeditated plan, which, and I think actually it's like a strategy thing. Like you're playing, you're going to play the team, same team over and over again. And if you're playing a back to back, like, all right, we'll throw a couple of guys in give them a different look so they can't really say here's what this guy did here's how this guy forechecked and, and just kind of beat you by by studying the tape but I, I just don't understand how like as a player and and I mean I'm not a professional athlete yet but uh, I don't understand that like how that doesn't affect you and be like well he's going to play a more you know timid game a more we, we want these two players Wallstrom and Bellows to kind of to flourish we don't want them to play these you know, guarded games and worry about making a mistake, taking a five minute major with, with nine minutes left and then never being heard from again. But like, they're also, pl- they're playing with a guy, JG Pajot, who's like the perfect center for, for this exact situation. Like him and Casey Sezikis, like if you w- wanted to dream of centers to play between two young wingers who 
uh, are just finding their game. Like these are the guys they are so responsible defensively. They're good offensively. They will make sure that they're very aware of who they're playing with and they'll, they'll adapt their game to that. And then you sit them both. And it's just like, Oh God, I really hope that, you know, that confidence because nobody on this team is confident right now, except for Matt Barzell uh, mm-hmm. is, and maybe Noah Dobson, like it, you'd hope that that doesn't go away. And yeah, I think you, you put it right. Like uh, Austin Zarnick, like, that guy definitely deserves another game. I think Michael Dalcole played a great game too. Like, yeah. so there are guys who've who've kind of have shown up, like Bellows, Zarnik now, Dalcole, and then there are guys who haven't. And like Cal Clutterbuck, for example, like, well, Cal Clutterbuck has not played well at all. Um, whether it's his hands still like bothering him, Matt Martin hasn't really played that well. Um, and that that fourth line, as we talk about, is so key. Like, there's no harm in saying like, look, these guys aren't going. Uh, maybe sit sit one or two of them but just because like the entire hockey universe all they know about the islanders is that they have the best fourth line in hockey from 2015 is <laughs> that, that that they need to keep playing them and, and they'll be they'll they'll be there starting every night like no there's no there's no shame in like sitting cal clutterbuck in favor of austin zarnick or michael dalcole for a night and still squeezing two guys who can score into the lineup because like we said this team can't score and the same thing goes like on defense and, and i know that like Sebastian Ajo hasn't played in two years and you know Thomas Hickey is, is, hasn't played in a long time but you know there's no there's no real pressure on a guy like Andy Green to get um his game together because he, and he's he's struggled and I love Andy Green I think he's awesome but um you know there's there's no that that accountability that has been preached for so long uh with this team just doesn't really apply to everybody um which is frustrating and and surprising actually like confusing surprising whatever. So you just hope that at some point when it gets sorted out, uh, like I have an idea in my head of wh- what this team should look like. I think you probably do. I think most of the Islander fans do. And, and there might be one or two pieces missing, but I can, or, or different, but I can tell you that most everybody who's watched the Islanders and, and Islander fans watch every game they watch every second and they scrutinize it because this is uh, like, we're fanaticals. Like this is our, we're crazy people. Um, but We've all watched it, and I can tell you that everybody probably has two or three things in common, and one of them is that Leo Komarov is probably not in this lineup, and Ross Johnson should probably not be in this lineup right now. And for some reason, and the same goes with the power play, like if we can all see this, it's just it, it gets frustrating because you, you wonder, like, okay, what are we missing when we kind of know we're not missing anything? So very, yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that's, that's just adds to the confusion. You get mad. Cause you're like, you're like a dog getting yelled at, even though you, you, you don't know the rules. You're like, I, I don't know what we're doing wrong, but I just, we're doing something wrong. We're missing something. So please fix it. People who are that's, supposed to fix it. That's kind of how I feel about watching the jets every year. Like I'm always like, why am I the one, why am I sitting here on my couch being like, how do you, you know, you've got a third and 15. Why are you throwing these little three yard out passes? Like, what is that going to do for it? I don't understand. You know, and you're just like, what am I missing here? Like, I'm not the NFL coach. I don't get it. But you see it happen. And I'm just like, that just feels wrong. And yeah. And, and the problem with guys, especially like Komarov, Green in particular, not so much Johnston, but Clutterbuck for sure, is that they all have something else in common, which is that they're all making a lot of Scott You know, they're all making a lot of dough. And Green, as we talk, I don't even think we mentioned this. He's going to be on because of the bonuses in his contract. He's actually going to be on next year's cap too, which he's probably not going to be on physically <laughs> on the team, which is a whole other wrinkle. And it gets back to what we were talking about with Lamorello before. So, um, you know, there were signs of life better than to play better in a couple of those games than not, I suppose. But 
they're going to need a, a dramatic turnaround if they're going to take some points this week uh, from the Sabres and Penguins. We're going to talk about those games after the break. Uh, we are also going to have the first winner of our eBay Islanders eBay swag of the month uh, club, which uh, you can get on this month as well. Go to iTunes uh, or the Apple Music Store and leave us a review. Put your Twitter handle in the review and you will enter for a chance to win a piece of uh, Islanders eBay, Islanders swag from eBay. And we will announce our first winner at the end of the next segment. So make sure that you are still listening throughout the entire show. All right, we'll be back in a couple of seconds and we'll pick it up and talk about next week's games. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Soon you'll be able to get jerseys for the first time. There's some Cincinnati chill or Columbus chill jerseys that are coming soon. So watch VintageIceHockey.com uh, for more information on that. You can also get our Al Arbor t-shirts. Half of our por- our entire portion of the sales go directly to the, to the Center for Dementia Research. You could use the code Lighthouse15 to save 15%. So VintageIceHockey.com. Go there today. They got all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, okay, so coming up this week, the Islanders have three more games, better than four, I suppose. Um, they are against the Sabers on Tuesday and Thursday, and then against the Penguins on Saturday. It's very important. A couple of notes before, uh, about this first Sabers game. Number one, it's a six o'clock p.m. start, and I don't know about you, but I can't remember the last time the Islanders had a six p.m. start on a weekday, and it wasn't like a holiday or some kind of weird thing. This is very strange. I don't know why they're starting at six o'clock. Maybe it's some part of some like NBCSN triple header or something like that. But, you know, if you're going to sit down and eat dinner and then you turn on the game and you're like, why are they in the second period? It's because the game started at six o'clock. But more importantly, um, the devils have put, had to put like four or five guys on their COVID list today. And why is that important? That's because their last opponent were the Buffalo Sabres. Um, I don't know if that's going to affect anything. I don't know what the Sabres like testing procedures are. Um, I also know that the Sabres were supposed to leave for Long Island today on Monday, but because of this monster so storm that we've all gotten uh, in this area today, they are not going to be leaving home until Tuesday morning. And they're going to fly into the Island, play the game at six o'clock. So again, you're the Islanders have in front of them, a, a, an opponent that might not quite be at a hundred percent, whether it's, Something, you know, uh, COVID related. Hopefully nobody gets put on their list, um, but I'm sure the Sabres are monitoring that situation um, or just a timing issue. I mean, these guys are going to land on a plane. I know it's on a long flight from Buffalo, but they're going to get off a plane and have to play a six o'clock start, which is kind of a weird time. 
So the Islanders are getting another chance at an opponent here that might not quite be uh, at 100%. And they cannot let these two opportunities go. Buffalo is not that bad. We watch, I watched the two games they played against the Devils this week. They have some talent. They obviously have Taylor Hall with Jack Eichel. Um, and they've got Kyla Poso, our old friend. Jeff Skinner was like on the fourth line, which is pretty crazy because uh, that dude can still sometimes score goals. They have guys you never heard of that can end up. Their power play is actually pretty good. And so if the Islanders drop these games to Buffalo or don't come away with four points or at least three at the very, very bare minimum, this is going to be an ongoing problem. And the Islanders need to write whatever is wrong right away. There's no better time like right now. They actually have 12 games, I believe, against the uh, Sabres and Penguins in the next month or so. And neither of these two teams is really all that frightening. I know the Penguins are who they are, but they're having all kinds of issues. <laughs> they have no GM, I guess, at the moment. Um, and these are games that the Islanders can take points from, and they need to if they don't want more of this season to get away from them like January basically has. You're right. It's points. They need points. Um, and they need to kind of earn our trust back. And so we aren't going back to those those days of or those moments where we're brought back to the dark days uh, so frequently. Because basically, once a game right now, it's, it's kind of how it's been. Um, and it, I think that's just as important because there were, like you said, like the process, there were some good process things. It's so clear, like for to, to people like us and people who listen to the show who watch the Islanders every game, like when the Islanders are going, it's so easy to tell. Like you're just like they, they're like a machine and they just kind of keep coming forward and going and and it's per, like we we can all be like, all right, like you know they play did play well against the Flyers and for for very good chunks of those games, um, they played well again in one period against the the Capitals. But like, uh, if if they don't kind of put forth consistent efforts in these next three games, you. I'm going to be really worried and it's, it's the 56 game season. Yes. And the fact that when every time you lose, you give points to someone that you're directly chasing. Um, but it's also that like, we know, we know this team is dealing with uh, a pretty tight window of competing and uh, that there's a reckoning coming at, at kind of at the end of this window because of the way their, their cap is structured. And um, th- so it's not like, like you can't, <laughs> And, and it sound it might sound like alarmist, but like you can't, they can't really screw this season up right away. Like they can't, this can't be a lost season in February because the Islanders don't really have, um, they're not set up to be like okay, I hear a, to, to take advantage of a lost season. I guess is a good way to put it uh, in ways that like the the Rangers or the Blackhawks have been in the Avalanche because um, they don't really have too many uh, valuable assets who are tradable especially right now when nobody wants to pay anybody uh because of the pandemic so that's that's kind of (laughs) it's very heavy like every every game is getting heavier because you're dealing with that existential kind of crisis that look like we we had a blast watching this team the past two years um and we we've been loving like being able to shove it in people's faces because they uh you know they've exceeded expectations and stuff but uh when that kind of that ball drops on the Islanders. Like we know what's going to come back at us, which is a lot of people saying, you know, basically going, bringing us back to those dark ages and the Islanders kind of being the butt of a joke. Cause it can get bad pretty quick. And um, that's, that's, that's why like these games are so they, they feel heavier than they should uh, nine, whatever, nine games into a season 
Um, and, and this is, this is the way I'm talking, but like, that's, that's how they feel. Like they feel like, you know, they just don't, they can't afford to make mistakes just because of the way this team is on, this team is on thin ice, uh, in, in a lot of different ways. And, and they're, they're going to a new building next year. Like they need to, they need to set themselves up for a successful year next year. Like there's just like a lot riding on, on a season and they, they just haven't, the play hasn't reflected that. So like, if they can just earn back my trust. Uh, the fan base's trust with some good efforts and, 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 but by the way, yes, get points. Uh, I'll feel a lot better. Um, and, and I, I'm, I'm, cause like I said, there, there's been, there have been signs and there've been some good process things and yeah, the Sorokin stuff like that, that I, we didn't touch on them at all in the last section. I guess we should have. I, I just do want to say the, the saves he made were like you said, four 10 bell saves or whatever but you 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 saw you're like holy crap like if this guy he made four of those in a game like think about that over a course of a season and yes he's got to work some fundamental stuff out um and when he does like coachable stuff that he when he works that out like good lord like the, the athlete that's there um like th- there so there have been good things like that and, and stuff that that can give you some hope but now it's like it's up to the guys who like who have who we've kind of leaned on to this whole i don't know five years six years this core with the brock nelsons and josh bailey's cal clutterbuck casey sezikis and it's those guys that are letting the team down and uh that's what makes it so frightening so like just if if you can get like a game where the fourth line is back to back to normal or you know brock nelson has a blinder like but butchie was basically begging him to score yesterday it was like every time brock nelson stepped on the ice he's like come on brock get a goal for old butchie please well, was I like, forgot to mention up front that Josh Bailey finally got his first goal of the season nine games in. Like he, finally- I, and I was excited with the way he looked. He looked, he looked ex- like Josh Bailey doesn't seem to get all that excited. He does sometimes, but uh, he looked, he looked relieved and excited. And uh, as a body language expert for Islanders, that that made me that made me happy. Yeah. So, but, but those know- are the guys. Those are the guys that Nick need to step up. The guys that have stepped up for for years. And if they don't, like if Josh Bailey doesn't get his act together, the Islanders are in trouble. Yeah. I mean, you could say that about just about anybody except for who we mentioned before, Barzell, I guess really Lee, uh, and that's about it. <laughs> Everybody else kind of falls into the the same bucket. Uh, you know, maybe the kids get get a bit of a pass, but um, yeah, it's, you know, the, you, you're right. There's a lot riding on this this season going into next season. The And, you know, if you watch, uh, to me, you know, the Trots post-game and then the uh, pre-game availabilities are always appointment viewing and these last couple i feel like have been somewhat pointed more so than usual and i think there was after one game i think it was after the the second capitals game that he said you know help is not going to come it's 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 going to happen from the guys in the room because we're not going to go out and get help and i think that was his his you know basically saying that these guys are stuck like they're not going to get rid of these guys maybe and i wasn't wondering about this i should probably we should maybe dedicate an episode to this, like what Lou's plan is for the expansion draft, because there it's possible that maybe he, he feels like he might have some way of jettisoning a lot of this salary cap uh, anchorage <laughs> with the, uh, the salary, you know, the expansion draft and, you know, maybe an expansion team would take an Andrew Ladd, for example, or something like that. Cause they need uh, space on the cap. And by then those guys are, you know, almost to the end of their deals. So I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there, but, if they don't, there's going to be a lot of problems and you're going to be looking at the same exact roster next year, basically. And that, you know, might be okay. I mean, people are going to come out, hopefully, hopefully we could all go to games again and people might come out for the, the novelty of seeing the new building, but 
you know, there is a lot riding on this and their window is now, as our friend Carrie Haber uh, has said multiple, multiple times, this is the window. They have the chance now to do it. I know sometimes it doesn't look like they have it, but there's no better time than like right now. They've got these guys in some of them in their prime and you might not like some of the guys taking up space on the roster, but if they perform as best they can, then the team can win. Like we said, they cannot afford to have a drop game or a bad game and it stinks uh, and it's stressful, but that's the way it is. They need everybody pulling on that rope at the same time. And that's when they get to be a contender when they don't, then it's a problem. And if those things start happening more few and far between, then you get stuck. Um, Quick word about the Penguins. Obviously we don't need to introduce them, but they're, two games against the devils this week uh, have been postponed because of the devil's COVID situation. So they actually basically have a week off before they play the Islanders on Saturday. So that could be good. Could be bad. Um, I don't know. I mean, again, you know, the penguins, they still have Crosby and Malkin Malkin, not really having a great season, but if he busted out for four goals in that game, would anybody be surprised? Absolutely not. So, you know, he loves chewing up the Islanders and spitting them out Crosby. We all know about. So, you know, again, I'm not saying these games are gimmies. They're definitely not, but they, the Islanders need to take points from them. And if they if they go 3-0 and this week, then they're right back in the thick of it. And hopefully, you know, somebody else stumbled ahead of them and they're right back in the, you know, the thick of, of the race. Um, the Caps haven't lost this year. Eventually, they're going to lose uh, in they regulation. Do time, don't, it's just yeah. amazing. Even new coach, it doesn't matter. The Caps yeah, are going to yeah. win 70% of their games in regular yeah. season. Some teams, Flyers and Penguins and Caps among them, have are almost the exact opposite of the Islanders where everything somehow s- seems to work in their favor. <laughs> Whereas, you know, they have a bad game. Doesn't matter. They come out with two points in overtime or they, you know, they, the Malkin's having a terrible season, but it doesn't matter because the Penguins are still pretty good. Like none of that matters for the Islanders. That stuff matters. If you know, think about what we've been talking about this whole time. If Cal Clutterbuck has a bad game, the Islanders lose. <laughs> if, if Jenny Malkin has a bad game, the Penguins still win. How is that fair? Like I ask, how is that fair? It's 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 preposterous. But that's that's the the makeup of these teams. Some of them just, you know, was a horseshoe up the ass. Who was who said that? Uh, was that uh, um, Rod Brindamore after the yeah. game against you know in the playoffs? So some teams have the horseshoe up the ass, and some don't. The Islanders definitely do not, uh, and it's really sad. So uh, so yeah, we'll have to see how, how that goes. Uh, those other two games. Thursday and Saturday are seven o'clock games. So are th- those, are all three of them at home. Yes. Oh, that's another thing too. You know, Barry talked about that today. You know, he doesn't mind being out on the road, but it is a bit confining. You're in, especially a town for two games. And these games are all at the Coliseum. So the Islanders are back home in their own beds. Hopefully that makes a difference and, and they can, you know, get there because, you know, they, they were home and then, well, they were at the garden and then they were basically home for a day and then they were immediately on the road. It's interesting because, um, Home teams are clipping at like a sixty something percent rate in the and in the NHL it's usually around fifty four it's like 50, between fifty four and a half and fifty five percent usually uh, in a in a given season and I think a lot of people and myself included thought you know home ice advantage wouldn't really be that big of a deal um, but it has been like favorites and home teams have just been absolutely crushing which not good news for me but uh, it's like it's just it's very interesting to to see that home ice advantage has mattered through you know it's it's still small sample size like 150 games or so in to a season now but um yeah like 65 percent uh 66 percent win rate for home teams uh and i think what barry said is kind of like what my hypothesis that i've been coming up in my head lately is 
you know, these road trips probably just suck. Like it, it's, it's probably just terrible for these guys. And um, especially in this area of the country where um, uh, the restrictions are, are much tougher than maybe say in like Florida or um, Texas or wherever, uh, wherever else. But uh, it's just, it's, it's something, something really interesting to keep an eye on with the, with just the way the whole season, the season's going. And I mean, it's, it's funny because it's, it's like, it's it, home teams are quote unquote supposed to win and favorites are quote unquote supposed to win. But in, in the NHL, the way that they are winning, the rate that they're winning it makes, makes it weird. Like it's been a very, obviously like no one needs to uh, say it, but it's, it's obviously a very unique situation, but I feel like the season itself, which just the setup has been so it's just all been strange. Like you tune into a game between the, the Canucks and the Canadians, and it looks like a completely different sport than the game that the Islanders are playing. And then you turn on a game between like the Blue Jack, like all of a sudden the Blackhawks play pretty well defensively and their goaltender is good. Like there's some really weird stuff going on. Like you went, depending on the game you tune into, it just, it all looks very different from the type of hockey games that the Islanders are playing in every night. And I think uh, the way you put it is perfect is that, you know, the Islanders play a brand of hockey where if Cal Clutterbuck gets hurt, they're screwed. So that's maybe why, but if, uh, it, it is like, it's just completely, completely different uh, sport. It looks like, like last night, the senators and Oilers game uh, looked like, I don't know what it looked like, but it was just not yeah, the was, type of hockey that I've, was I've final, like watched. Eight, six or something like yeah, that. It's like eight, five, eight, six. Yeah. And everyone was scoring. People put McDavid and, and dry on Daryl Sittler watch. It was just, it was like, but I feel like there's one game like that a night in that division. Whereas in this division and kind of the central division, it's, it's much, we're like the new Pacific division where like, you know, used to be like the Kings and ducks and sharks playing this heavy game. Um, and then you got like the kind of the, the West right now is kind of an outlier with a lot of different styles, but yeah, really, really weird season. And then obviously a lot of off ice stuff going on. Well, the good news is that uh, TSN and Sportsnet aren't going to watch games that are outside of the North division. So whatever sport they're watching, I'm sure they're enjoying very much. And then whatever sport we're watching is, is our problem. They don't really care about what's going on here. Um, my friends at uh, Broad Street Hockey, yeah, they don't like the Islanders style of play all that much, uh, feeling like they're getting away with uh, murder on the ice and, and killing viewership in the NHL. And I, if I wanted to start something, I would have, made a comment saying like in order for them to kill viewership in the NHL, somebody would have to watch the Islanders. And I promise you that is not happening <laughs> outside of a very, very small group of people. Most of whom are probably listening to this podcast right now. So uh, yeah, it's um, you know, it, it is, it is very different and it's going to be fun <laughs> when the playoffs come and, and, you know, these teams eventually have to get into it, you know, at some point in the con- the quote unquote conference finals of the final four, there's going to be a lot of stylistic changes and, um, if anybody else out there remembers the 1995 Stanley Cup Finals between the Devils and Red Wings, I think it might be kind of along those lines where the poor Red Wings had no idea what was waiting for them. The Devils were just going to choke them, choke the life out of them for four games. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's your week ahead, and uh, we'll have to see how it goes. But I mean, the Islanders need these points; they they can't they can't let them let them go any more than they already have. Okay, uh, without further ado, let's get to some fun stuff, which is our first ever. Uh, Islanders eBay swag winner. Thanks to everybody that left us a review. Uh, we got 14, which is phenomenal. I believe we can get more. Uh, if you're listening to this and you want to go to iTunes and leave us a review, we really appreciate it. I get that a lot of people don't use uh, Apple or iTunes to listen. Um, unfortunately, that's really the only metric that kind of matters in this 
uh, podcasting center. Nobody really knows what to deal with, like podcasting numbers and ratings and things are. You either have a podcast a lot of people listen to or you don't really is how it kind of works out. But uh, we need your reviews on iTunes if you can. Uh, that's the place to go. So uh, I have the 14 names here all numbered, but in uh, order of in which they were given. I am on the website random.org, uh, which is a random number generator. I've put in minimum 14 of one and the maximum of 14, and I'm going to click generate. And whenever number comes out is our big winner. Okay, so here we go. I'm clicking the button. The winner is number 10, and that is... Stuff Carl does, who is on Instagram. So Stuff Carl does. Uh, congratulations. You've just won a piece of Islanders swag. So uh, Mike or I will reach out and get your address. And uh, Mike will purchase some kind of cool, strange, unique Islanders item off of eBay. And we'll send it to your house. And we really thank you very much for your review. Really appreciate it. And we hope you enjoy it. And your job uh, when you get this item is to post a picture of it. And let us know so that we can tell everybody what it is and post it on our Twitter feed and all that kind of stuff. So there you go. See, it's fun. Leave us a review on iTunes. Tell us what your Twitter or Instagram handle is. And uh, maybe you can win something cool. Fun, right? There you go. It's The, the reviews were great. I mean, uh, it's. I think the, the point is like we, we have a different kind of show where it's not like. Uh, we're going into X's and O's and like stuff like we, we do. We do kind of talk about that stuff a little bit, but it's much more. Um, I don't know, culture-y, I guess, Islander culture stuff. Uh, and and it's, it's always nice to read the reviews when people like appreciate that. And uh, I do, I just wanted to, to shout one out in particular, which was actually the last one, which I thought was just really maybe the nicest thing I've ever, anyone's ever said about me and, and us, I guess, is which is that it's the, uh, the perfect podcast for those of us who are extremely stressed about the Islanders all the time, win or lose. Also, the perfect podcast for those of us who are still saying things like, remember that time Chris Campoli st- scored twice in the same overtime? And that was by um, Rachel Cara on Twitter. Uh, we definitely thought- have talked about that game once before, if not twice. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I, st- st- I still remember, like, I can remember his cele- his first celebration and then him being like, what the hell? And having to get reset to score again. Oh God, Campoli. I was just telling my wife and daughter about that game. Like last week, which is really when you know you, this is a sickness. Like they don't care, and I had to explain <laughs> to them what the situation was, who Chris Campoli was. I don't remember what it was, but it was some kind of thing. And I'm like, and that's how he scored two goals on the same shift, like that. <laughs> and it was this random life lesson of some kind, and I was like, and I could picture that entire sequence in my head because it's Me burned. It. Yeah, it's and he, I like he always had like a very. Um, like late two thousands look like the long hair is like look he was always drenched in sweat like Campoli and kind of and a wiry he, guy like he wasn't a big guy but he wasn't yeah. a little guy either you know <laughs> and, and and it feels like it felt like he scored a lot more goals than he actually probably did like I feel like Campoli was scoring all the time um, <laughs> and then yeah and I actually remember exactly where I was when they traded him and and in a similar situation I remember I was I was like in uh, a my a dorm one of my friends' dorm rooms in college and. I was like, holy shit. And they're like, what what happened? I'm like, the Islanders just traded Chris Campoli and they got Dean McAmmond and a first round pick, but they got Dean McAmmond. And, and I remember just like standing up in like this room of people were just like, like, oh, like we thought something, something, you know, important. important. <laughs> just happened. But no, well, yeah, something important did happen. That was the Mike Comrie trade, wasn't it? Or no, it was, 
Yeah, I think it was like no, it was uh, Campoli and was it Comrie? For it was for the, we got a first round pick and D McAmmond, um, for Campoli and maybe Comrie. Uh, but what whatever it was, it was uh, I'll I'll just never forget w- where I was and being like, wow, like, and that was a good trade by Garth because I think that that pick ended up being Brock. Yeah, it was else. traded for with Comrie and McAmmond, uh, for uh, and again yeah, San Jose's first round pick, which was traded right. to Anaheim. Uh, who used it for Kyle Palmieri. So there you go. So you belong to us, Kyle Palmieri. I don't know what's... <laughs> um, but yeah, that, why did they trade that pick to Anaheim? Later traded to Columbus. Uh, see, this is why I totally forgot we talked about doing that trade pod, trade tree podcast. We should do that. And the first guy should be Chris Campoli. And we'll get into this whole thing <laughs> at some point. We'll figure it all out. But yeah, so there you go. But thank you very much for the great reviews. Uh, they, they have all been great, and we really do appreciate them. They've all won five stars. Uh, we can't ask for more than that. And, uh, we really hope to get some more. So go to iTunes, leave us a review, put your high, uh, Twitter or Instagram, uh, handle in there. And we'll, as long as we can contact you and maybe send you something cool, you have a chance to win. Uh, okay. Um, with that, I guess, uh, that's about the end of it. I think we've, we've, uh, hashed out as much as we could, uh, about this absolutely terrible week and we've got to hope that this, <laughs> this one's better. Um, Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Listen to PT Isles. Uh, Joe and Noel had a great one real back and forth uh, last week, so check that out. Um, and uh, I got a new column up today, back and forth, talk about both Uncle Leo's and the comparisons between Seinfeld Uncle Leo and Hockey Uncle Leo. Long story short, Seinfeld Uncle Leo, way better. Um, but uh, check that out. Um, where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski with two E's. Read his work at the Action Network as well. And uh, you can follow me at Culture of Losing, I guess, if you want. And uh, that's about it. We'll be back next week. We're hoping to have our friend Kerry Haber on. Uh, we're trying to get, get He's a busy guy. So we're trying to get him on uh, to talk about, you know, uh, what to look for in the uh, the first, uh, after the first month or so, who's up, who's down, and who's, you know, stressing us out. But uh, we'll get him on at some point. We love having him on. So hopefully that, that'll happen next week. And uh, maybe Sunday could be Tuesday. They play on Monday. They play the Rangers on Monday. So we'll have to see uh, if we can talk on Sunday. Great. If not, it'll be Tuesday uh, after that, that game. Uh, So thanks a lot for listening and we will talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye.